0: Let me get my Bible out as well. So Mark chapter 2, we're going to finish Mark chapter 2 today. And uh, there we go. Uh, Before we do, I want to take um, a walk with you down memory lane. Uh, When you became a Christian, uh, what happened? I think two things happened. Uh, One dealt with repentance, right? You realized, I'm a sinner, I need a Savior. And then the other revolved around Lordship, remember, that I introduced at the beginning. Lordship is that he's in the driver's seat. I'm teaching one of my kids to drive right now. She's doing a great job. But there is something about getting out of a driver's seat and walking around and getting into the passenger seat. You realize that I've just let go of a lot of control of this vehicle. Anyone who's taught your kids to drive, you know this, right? And so this is what it is to become a Christian. That we get out of our seat and we let Jesus get into it, right? Those two things. But the interesting thing is, is so usually when someone's saved, there's a few areas, right? He might show you a few things. Hey, I want to be Lord of something, right? But then actually, the rest of the Christian life is a process of him repeating that. Oh, and there's this other, I, I, I'm Lord of that. And this, I'm Lord of that. And I'm Lord of this, right? So I don't know if you remember, this was, I think, end of last year. Introduced this great little allegory, uh, My Heart, Christ, home. It's really neat, so it's the idea of Jesus comes into your house, you have a grand old time, until he begins to explore your house, right? And as he goes room to room, he wants to clean it up. This is the Christian life. And I I mentioned a few things at the beginning, but, you know, you, you discover, oh, God has a vision for how I spend my money. He wants to be Lord of my spending. That can be an awkward moment, right? And so we say, Lord, I give this over. That he has a vision for how I spend my time. Lord, I want this, I want you to be Lord of this, right? And so this is just an awkward process, right? Is that not painful? If you remember your Christian life, you've been Christian a long time, you can probably think of a dozen things where he went into a room, and he, we're gonna have that this morning, okay? I'm just, this is forewarning you, and it's difficult. Um, it's a difficult moment. When God comes in, we have to surrender. And so we just have to prepare ourselves to surrender and say, Lord, room by room, you are in charge, Let's look then, as we're about to have that moment. Mark chapter two, verse twenty-three to twenty-eight. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields. This is Jesus, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. And the Pharisees were saying to him, "Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath?" And he said to them, "Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry?" He and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God in the time of Abathar the high priest, and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat, and also gave it to those who were with him. And he, being Jesus, said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. That well, completes our reading of God's word. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. You gave it to us for our good. You love us. You're a loving father. We believe that in theory. Oh Lord, I pray that we believe it in practice. Lord, and as we look at a passage that has big implications for our lives, I pray that you just prepare all of our hearts for that moment as you enter more and more rooms of our lives that we would let you in and that it would be beautiful, even though painful. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. So many kids grow up in Christian families, they go off to college, and they have newfound freedom, right? And they begin to do things that their parents never let them do. And I'm not talking about eating cereal for dinner. They, will begin to binge drink. So all kinds of things. Why? Why do they do that? Why do they make these, these new choices? I think one reason is, is because they believe their parents were holding out on them, right? Mom and dad didn't know how to have fun. And so I'm now going to enjoy the good life, right? Isn't that, they hopefully discover after a while, no, actually mom and dad were smart, but right, they do that. But see, it's not just college students. It's easy to see in the college students. We actually are all like that. Let me ask you a question. If you were to conform your life more to the law of God than you do now, will your life be better or worse? If you conform your life more to the law of God, will it be more lame or more awesome? Think about that. Now, many believers, if they're honest, would say, they wouldn't, they wouldn't do it publicly, but they'd say, actually, I think it'd be more lame. Why is that? So kids, listen close. I don't want you to go off to college and make that same decision, all right? So this started, this lie began in Genesis. Do you remember the serpent, right? The serpent went to the woman and what did he say? He said, God's holding out on you. He said, there is good. If you eat that tree, you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. So he said. Isn't that the same lie? The same lie the kids, when they go to college, believe. Oh, there's something good God's holding out on you. Right? It's not like kids, adults. Right? We all have that. Adults and kids. We, we think, well, if I let God get a hold of my life more, it's going to be terrible, if we're, if we're really honest about it. I'll give you one word answer why that is. It's the word legalism. You know the word legalism? Legalism. Kids, you know what that word means? It means where you like, you have a bunch of rules, but you don't understand the Why? And you're just, it's, you're following all these rules. It's very lifeless. It's not fun at all. You see, legalism gives the law of God a bad name. Do you know that? Legalism gives the law of God a bad name. It does that because you look at a person who's legalistic and you're like, I don't want any of that, right? They're obeying all these rules and regulations and their life is pathetic. Why would I want a piece of that? But here, this is a famous line, I think maybe thousands of years old. Abuse does not negate proper use. Have you ever heard that before? Abuse does not negate proper use. Something that's abused does not mean that there's no proper use. Marriage, marriage is absolutely abused, but it doesn't mean that there's no proper use for it, right? You can say that about a lot of things. This is true of the commands of God. Just because the commands of God are abused doesn't mean there's a proper use. So our goal this morning, if you will join me in it, is to look at what is the proper use of God's commands related to to the very controversial topic of the Lord's Day, of the Sabbath. Before we get there, I want to talk about holidays. Some of you kids might have had birthdays recently, or you have one at some point this year. What does your family do? Do you have any traditions on birthdays? In my family, they need to pick a birthday meal and birthday. Do they want a traditional cake? Do we want cheesecake, ice cream cake, cupcakes? We let them decide on their birth. Not not every day, just their birthday, okay? And, uh, but what, and then anniversaries. All you married have anniversaries? Um, Husbands, don't you often choose a restaurant you think your wife will like? I hope you do, right? But I want you to imagine for a moment, on my my next kid's birthday, I'm gonna say, you know what, I'm in the mood for Brussels sprouts and asparagus and some grilled salmon. But dad, I don't like those. Hey, I'm in charge and this is what we're gonna eat. That wouldn't be very nice, would it? On your next anniversary, honey, this year, our anniversary falls on the first day of hunting season. This is really important to me. I, I don't think you'll mind, will you? Um, if we, we'll get up at 4 a.m., we'll be out of the house by 5, we'll sit in a tree stand all day long. It's going to be good. Now, if your spouse loves hunting, that's fine. But if they don't, right, all of you know that these ideas would not go over well, right? Kids, unless you like Brussels sprouts and asparagus, um, See so the connection is, we aren't talking about just holidays. Today we're talking about the Sabbath. It's a special day. But it doesn't belong to you, your birthday, or to a spouse and spouses on anniversaries. Who does it belong to? The Lord. That's why it's called the Lord's Day. <clears throat> oh, one last thing. Because this, I'm going to step on toes. Actually, I'm not going to. This passage is going to step on toes this morning. Let me tell you something you probably already know. How to listen to a sermon. Can I give you a quick lesson on how to listen to a sermon? There's two ways to listen to it. One way is, you say, here's what Nathan is saying, and here's what I think. Oh, I agree. I'll hold on to this. Here's what Nathan's saying. Here's what I think is different. I'll throw out what Nathan says. That's not the way to listen to a sermon. Here's the way to listen to a sermon. You say, here's what Nathan is saying, and here's the word of God. Can I see a direct connection that what he is saying comes directly from the word of God? It is the absolute clear application of what the word of God is saying. Okay, if I'm not, throw it out. To what? If it is, then you hold on to it and you throw out what you think, right? Otherwise, why ever come to church? Why ever listen to any sermon? If all you're going to hold on to is what you already agree with, what a waste of time! Does that make sense? So how we listen to sermons is that we hold on. We say, is this what the word of God says? So that's my suggestion. Since this passage steps on your toes, just begin with set aside what you already think and say, what does the Bible say and what is the clear application of it? Look at page seven for a moment in your bulletin. And here's how this lays out. What did Jesus teach about the Sabbath to oppose legalism and to uphold the law of God? First, rest on the Lord's day except for acts of necessity. Second, delight in the Lord's day as a good gift from your loving Savior. And third, submit to Christ as Lord of the Lord's day. So the first one, rest on the Lord's day except for acts of necessity. Look at verse 23 and 24. Okay, what's our setting? It's the Sabbath. Jesus and his disciples are going through the grain field. They start picking the grain. And what do the Pharisees say? But they say, look, what are they doing on this? this is not lawful on the Sabbath. Okay, let's give some context they're taking, it's harvest time, they're taking the grain in their hands, and um, the, they're taking the chaff off, they just rub it in their hands, and they're eating it, maybe like granola. I've never tried it, but it'll keep you alive if you're traveling and you don't have anything else to eat. There's no McDonald's, kids. They can't stop at McDonald's. So he and the disciples are doing this. Why are the Pharisees so bent out of shape? Because the Pharisees, they know the fourth commandment. Everyone know, anyone know the fourth commandment? Honor the Sabbath day, right? Keep it holy. Okay, so here's the Sabbath. They don't want to break it and step off the cliff, okay? So the Pharisees say, we got a great idea. Let's just step back and build a big barbed wire fence. No one will fall off the cliff if we put a barbed wire fence. But then we'll make a moat behind that. And then behind that, we'll have a brick wall. And then I'll fall off the back if I keep going. But this is what they did. They just said, and they said, Yeah, hey, you'll never disobey God's commands if we just set up all these barriers. The trouble with that is you have this huge Scheme of all these rules and regulations by the first century, right? So in the time of Jesus, they have so many rules, and so they're saying, hey, you break one of our rules. Your guys can't just they're they're harvesting grain. No, they aren't. They're getting their lunch. Does that make sense? And so they and so look what Jesus does. Jesus is gonna give them three answers. He's gonna rebut what they're saying three ways. It's our three points, we'll look at the first right now. Okay, so look at what he says. He's talking about David. Now what in the world does David have to do with it? Look there. Twenty five. Have you never read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? This is like kids down know if you ever said, Yeah, but what about what my brother? You let my brother get away with this. Okay. Have you ever read what David did when he was in need and was hungry? He and those who were with him, they entered the house of God. All right, you could find this story in 1 Samuel 21. I'm not going to read it to you. But here's the situation: David's on the run, he's been anointed king, he has no food, he stops. Abathar the priest, he says, please, our, our men are starving. Do you have anything? He's like, I got nothing. I got no food in here except for the bread of the presence. It's holy bread. There's actually a ceremonial law in the Old Testament that says no one can eat this but the priest. So what does the priest do? He gives it to him. Why? Because here's the ceremonial law of God, and there's an act of necessity that in that moment superseded that. The king is here, the anointed king on the run, and he needs food. Okay? So he set aside the ceremonial law of God because there was something greater that needed to happen. Make sense? Okay, now what's Jesus doing? This is an argument from the lesser to the greater. Here's King David. He's a a big guy, but he's still just a guy. All right? He needs to set aside the ceremonial law for an act of necessity. Here's Jesus, the king of kings, and what's he setting aside but just a man-made law? The Old Testament doesn't say anything about doing this while you're walking through a grain field on Sunday or on the Sabbath, which is Saturday then. Does it make sense? So this is, you have a flip-flop. Little guy, big guy. Big command, little command, okay? And he's saying, don't you get this? There's an act of necessity. We need to eat. And so we're gonna get some grain. Okay, does that make sense? That's his argument. Because see, the Pharisees, they thought they knew it all. They thought we're the experts in the law. And Jesus says, you don't even know your Bible. Let me just tell you one Bible story that says, you guys are out to lunch. Okay, that's what he's doing. That's the first response. Okay, let's look. Look on page seven. I actually printed the fourth commandment for you. Just so it's fresh in your mind, you know what we're, we're looking at. So there it is. Exodus 20 verses 8 through 11. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughters. Look who's included in this list. Are your kids, your male servant and your female servant, closest equivalent we have now is employees, or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates to the foreigner who lives around you. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay, so our passage today in Mark gives a very helpful category of exception to the fourth commandment. What is it? What did Jesus teach us? It's called an act of necessity, right? He said, don't do any work except an act of necessity. What was the act of necessity in this passage? They were hungry, right? And so that same thing was in, in David's thing, right? They, were, they needed food, and he said it, it meant, it trumped that ceremonial law. And so, Jesus is saying that this trumps, in a sense, the fourth commandment. If you have an act of necessity, you need to eat. Don't fast every Sunday because it's work to cook. Everyone who cooks knows it's work, right? But it's an act. Does it make sense? Jesus gives a very important category, all right? Next week, the next passage is going to give us another important one called an act of mercy. So, come back. You'll have to get that, okay? But this passage is focused on acts of necessity. So, there it is. Now, most, and so an act of necessity is something you have to do today that can't wait till tomorrow, right? Eating is the truth of that. All Kids, don't you agree? Do you really want mom to wait till tomorrow to feed you lunch? No, right? Act of necessity. Most would agree, EMT, police, fire, hospitals. When you get sick, you are very glad. It is an act of necessity that you have surgery or that you have a respirator or whatever, right? We're thankful for people that do work on Sunday so that the rest of us can stay alive, right? Stay safe. Stay protected. Okay, so it's all, even for believers, that's appropriate work to do. But as you know, the Lord's Day, the Christian Sabbath, has fallen on hard times in our age, right? I mean, some of you are old enough to remember a time when most businesses were closed, right? On Sunday, nothing was happening, right? And so it very much facilitated resting. We don't live in that age anymore, right? You can pretty well tell that. So no matter where you draw the boundary of what an act of necessity is, no matter where you put it, you are going to be swimming upstream to our culture. Our culture does not have any category for a day of rest. Is that not true? So wh- wherever you draw this boundary, it's going to be okay. So there's, this is a, the first of his three pr- responses. Look at the second. So our second point is, delight in the Lord's day is a good gift from your loving Savior. Okay, what does Jesus say next? Look at verse 27. And he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. All right, now what is he doing here? The 10 commandments. Who, who did God give the 10 commandments? You can answer this. He gave them to Moses, okay. So long before Moses, God created the earth. In the fourth commandment, what does he reference the, the fourth commandment to? Creation, right? All right, kids, here's another question for you. On the, see if you know, on the seventh day of creation, seventh day of creation, what did God create? I think I saw a mouth move that said nothing. You're right, it was a trick question. God didn't create anything on the seventh day, right? Man was on the sixth day, he'd finished everything, he rested. Okay, so think about this. You're Adam and Eve, you're just created. He just said, hey, take dominion of the earth, be fruitful and multiply. And then he says, oh, but wait, tomorrow I'm just gonna hang out with you. Don't start till the day after that. We're just gonna relax. You and me, creator and creation. Isn't that cool? Very first day of his existence, was a day to rest, to worship God. And that's the way it all started. And so then when you get to Moses, God references back to that and says, hey, that's what, that's what was done then. That's what I did then. So you need to imitate that. If you're in Sunday school, a lot of this is connecting. Okay, the Pharisees, they completely misunderstood this, right? It was given as a good gift to Adam and Eve, right? You get to rest. This is a good thing. They've got all this. They've got the big fence and the moat and the brick wall, right? This is not a good gift anymore. They got so many rules you got to keep up with. Not a good gift. Remember, abuse does not negate proper use. They had abused the thing to death. And Jesus is saying, this is a good gift. The Sabbath was made as a gift for you to enjoy. That's what Jesus is saying. Look there in your bulletin. On page seven again, I printed these so you don't have to look them all up. Isaiah 58, look there at verse 13 and 14. I love this verse. This is probably, I think maybe the best verse in the Bible on the Lord's Day and the Sabbath. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasures on my holy day, look at the contrast between us and God. From doing your pleasures on the holy day, call the Sabbath a delight. And the holy day of the Lord honorable if you honor it not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasures or talking idly then you'll take delight in the Lord and I will make you ride on the heights of the earth I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob your father for the mouth of the Lord has spoken you will take delight Now some of you have date night with your spouse some of you even have it weekly as great I recommend to everyone it's a great thing to do spend an evening with your spouse you know, I have rules when I have a date night. I have a number of them. One is I don't answer your calls because I'm with her, right? I have a number of the rules. But imagine if I, um, I get so focused on the rules, I forgot to have my wife with me, right? That I've, I've got all these rules. Am I going to talk to you? Am I going to do this stuff? Am I going to do that? I'm just going to relax and enjoy an evening. But I left my spouse at home. That would not, that'd be kind of a lame date night, Right? The Lord's day is like a day with Jesus. He said, I want you to set aside this day for me. And don't forget to take me on it. Right? And if your spouse ever comes to you and says, hey, I've planned out a whole day for us together. Are you going to really plan over top of that? It's like, no, like I, I can't wait. I'm, I look forward. What are we going to do together? That's what God intends. That's what he said. He said, the, you are not made for the day. The day was made for you. It's a gift to you. You were not made for day nights. Day nights were made as a gift for your marriage. Hey, kids, um, how many of you would like to eat ice cream three meals a day? Does that sound yummy? I see a couple smiles. Now, your parents, they've given you a good gift. It's called a balanced diet. Now, you don't think that's a good gift, but if you ate ice cream three times a day, eventually you would. Right? Because eventually you'd realize this is not good at all. I'm starting to feel real sick. And so good gifts don't always feel good, right? At the time. The Sabbath, many adults, does not feel like a good gift. When there's something else you want to do on Sunday. Like, this isn't a good gift at all. You are cramping my style, God. And so we're cramping your kids' ice cream style. God intends the Lord's Day to be a foretaste of heaven every week. Did you know that? A foretaste? What will you do in heaven? Who will you be with? Other believers. Who will you be worshiping? God. You're going to be enjoying fellowship with God forever. It's called eternal rest. Hebrews 4. You can look it up later. Makes this connection. And says, hey, you have a rest now, a Lord's Day now. But one day you're going to have an eternal rest. There will be no more striving with sin in the world. Is your labor not hard? It is. It's wearisome. Battling your, your sin and other sin Makes you so tired. God gave us the gift of the Lord's Day so we could get a foretaste of heaven, a foretaste of heaven. Parents, I encourage you look for ways that you can make Sunday special for your children. If it's going to be a foretaste of heaven, what's a way we can make it special so the kids realize, like, oh, this day is actually set apart. This is different than the other six. It's a special day. But I acknowledge to you, this takes an act of faith. It's an act of faith to obey the fourth commandment. Trusting that really is a good gift from your loving Savior. I am only his representative. He sent this word to you. And he said, it is a good gift. He said, you were not made for it. It was made for you. The Sabbath was made as a gift for you. Will you leave it under the Christmas tree and never unwrap it? It's made as a gift for you. But it's true of all the gifts of God, Right? I mean, reading your Bible, what a waste of time if God didn't write it. Prayer, ridiculous if there is no God. Tithing, that's really crazy, right? I mean, everything, if it's of God, if there is no God, it takes faith to believe that there's a God that will bless you as you obey him. Is that not true? I mean, what are you doing here? There's a hundred other things you could do right now, unless there's a God, unless there really is someone. Isn't that true? All the acts of obedience take faith. You look at any of the commandments, The Sabbath is no different. I acknowledge it takes faith, but the Lord will honor our faith. Okay, there's one more. His third response. Submit to the Lord as Lord of the Lord's day. Look at that last verse, 28. The last of Jesus' explanations. He says, so the Son of Man, who's that, Jesus? So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. He's so much the Lord of it, you know what's about to happen? For thousands of years, we've been celebrating. They've been celebrating on Saturday, right? Jesus created in six days. We we all rest on the seventh day because God told us to, right? Jesus comes in. He dies. He resurrects. And he changes it forever. Right? You're here on, you weren't here yesterday. You're here today. Why? Because Jesus is so much the Lord of it. He can change the day just like that. Thousands of years of tradition. Gone. Isn't that interesting? They don't realize how much he means that he's the Lord of it he is in charge of it we know in, um, do you know already this was called we call it the lord's day that's not our idea john did that even in the time of the apostles the last apostle is writing the book of revelation revelation 1:10 he says i was in the spirit on what the lord's day already at that time they were calling the new christian sabbath the lord's day why because he's lord of it he's in charge of it who's it belong to jesus okay the lord's day revelation 1:10 But here, I want, there's a real helpful thing here. Um, Kids, you know when your parents go across a bridge, what keeps them from falling off into the water? Guardrails, right? There's one on each side, right? Okay, so in this passage, we have two guardrails, verse 27 and 28, all right? Verse 27, what did it say? It said, the Sabbath was made for you, not you for the Sabbath, right? That's a guardrail against legalism. It's a guardrail against legalism. Because legalistic people miss, they they miss the whole point, the forest for the trees, right? They got all these rules and regulations, but they forgot it's actually about a person, right? That was that whole thing about date night, right? If you forget your spouse, you kind of miss the point, okay? Legalism, when you say things what the Pharisees were doing, and you end up with all these rules and regulations. So please, please do not take this sermon and go home and just make a bunch of rules and regulations and forget to invite Jesus to his own day. It's ridiculous, That's what legalism, it's a guardrail. Does that make sense? The Sabbath was not, you were not made for it. It was made for you. It's a good gift from your father. He wants to spend the day with you every week. And think about it. I mean, who's, so you get one day a year, right? You get your birthday. If you're a mother, you get two. Your birthday, and your Mother's Day, right? Mothers are really amazing. And fathers, you get two days too. How much greater is God? Like a hundred times greater, thousand times greater. How about 52 times greater? He says, 52 days out of your year belong to me. I've got good plans for you. I love you. I want to spend the day with you. It's a foretaste of heaven. But it is interesting that we will give more deference to our children and to each other than we do to the Lord. Kids, let me make application to you for a second. And then adults, don't worry. I'm coming back to you. Kids, what's your occupation? What's your job? Right now, you're a student, right? And so your work, your labor is schoolwork and homework. Okay, so if you're going to obey the fourth commandment, it says rest from all your labors. What's that going to look like? I guess your homework. Are you serious? You mean you think I should do my homework on Saturday? Man, how else are you going to take a rest on Sunday? It's an act of necessity. It's due on Monday morning. It's only an act of necessity because you neglected it yesterday. Right? Does that make sense? I know, you don't like me now. It's not me. The Bible said it. All right? That we, the fourth commandment said, rest, take one, and see, you think that this is all gonna, when I'm an adult, I'll change these patterns. You won't. You absolutely won't. The patterns you set in elementary school, middle school, high school, and college are the patterns you're gonna take right into adulthood. All the adults know it, right? And so now is the time. It's hard now. It's gonna be way harder when you're an adult. Just believe me. To begin this pattern. So adults, sorry, you don't get off the hook. Don't we say we have acts of necessity? Now, I guarantee if Mother's Day fell on the day that you were starting your vacation, you would consider that. Would that not fall into your consideration? I'm so sorry, I forgot it was Mother's Day. You would not say that out loud, I guarantee it, right? I, the, the rental is from Sunday to Sunday, I certainly can't be in church. I have an active necessity. I need to travel to my vacation. We absolutely would consider and look for a way. Is there any like Saturday, Saturday rental? Because Sunday's Mother's Day. And we'd kind of like to celebrate Mother and not be unpacking and stressing each other as everyone gets when you pack for vacation, right? We give deference to people The argument I'm making is, is if we will give deference to people, how much more deference should we give to God? He actually sees us. He watches how we consider things. And so I'm here as his representative to say, please give deference to him. This says that he is Lord of what? Look at verse 28 and tell me what he is Lord of. The Sabbath. The Christian Sabbath is now Sunday. Sunday. And so he, if he's saying he's in charge of it, just as much as he's in charge of your marriage and your finances, see, I told you it's uncomfortable, right? And it is about everything else. That, but see, remember back, remember at the beginning how we start our service? Remember John, 1, or John 10, 10, right? The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come not to ruin your life, Jesus said, but to give you an abundant life, a full life. Where in the world do you think you're gonna find that? It is through the process of room by room him coming in and saying I want to transform. You think it is crazy and absurd and everyone does when they become a Christian. And room by room he says I want to transform this aspect of your life and it will be better. I don't think it's better. We'll just wait. You'll think it's better, right? And that's that's this is the Christian life, is it not? That he just moves through our life, uncomfortable by uncomfortable because he loves us. He is Lord of the Sabbath. Now, I, I want to let you off a little bit here. I know why this is. You've all grown up in the same world I've grown up in. <clears throat> what is the secular paradigm for our week? Do the, with numbers. What's the paradigm for our weeks? It's five and two, right? Five days, you are slave to your boss. And you hate it, but many of you do. And you, you're looking forward to what? The weekend. The weekend, you are king of, you get two days to do whatever you want. Is that not the secular narrative, right? Five days you work, two days you do whatever you want. I was raised in the same world you are. I know how it works, okay? And you're tired and you're like, just get me to the weekend. It's hump day, we're halfway there. I'm almost the weekend, right? We all live in this narrative, right? And then you have two days of rest. What is the biblical narrative? What's the biblical narrative? What's the math? Six and one. You will run into this your entire Christian life. There will be a narrative you've always grown up with and then God shows up and with his word has the audacity to say, I am Lord of 52 days of your year. How dare he? Unless, of course, he died on the cross and then maybe he has that right. But don't you get it? Don't you get it what he's doing? Isaiah 58 warned. There it is on your bulletin. Turn back your foot on the Sabbath from doing your own pleasures on my holy day. He says, that belongs to me. Call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable. If you honor it, not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasure or talking idly, then you will take delight in the Lord. The goal is what? To take delight in the Lord. He loves you. The good news is, no matter what you do with the Sabbath, He still loves you and He's going to take you to heaven. And you'll enjoy it there, even if you don't enjoy it now. But what God wants to do is bring a little of heaven to earth. Are you not exhausted? The Lord has set up a structure to give you rest, to spiritually nourish and refresh you. Because he loves you. And he wants to give this good gift. The Sabbath was made for you, not you for the Sabbath. In conclusion, please take a moment or even a moment this afternoon, and just evaluate your use of Sundays. Use those two guardrails, right? The first one, and I don't know if I clarified that. The first one, right, was legalism. The second one is that he's Lord of it. I might've missed that piece, right? So on the other side, he's in charge, so he gets to make the, call the shots, okay? That's the other guardrail. Because you can say, hey, well, the Sabbath is made for me, and this is what I want to do. Except the other guardrail is, he's in charge, and he said, it's my day, and you aren't to do any work. You're to rest, except for acts of necessity, acts of mercy, that's next week, Okay, follow, that's the two guardrails. Please consider that this afternoon. It's, It's a great thing to do on a Sunday afternoon, right? Think about your use of Sundays. The Lord wants you to enjoy this blessing more than you are now, more than I am now. Abuse does not negate proper use. Based on my actions, who is Lord of the Lord's day? Me or my family or the Lord? The Lord wants us to have a balance between work and rest. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 11? He said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble of heart. Right? He loves you and says, come do it my way. My way is better. And we all say, ah, uh-uh, I got a better way. It's, this is the Christian life, isn't it? Your entire Christian life is this. Him saying, I got a better way. Because he loves us. Don't believe the serpent from the garden that's whispering, God's withholding something good from you. If you obey his laws, your life will be more lame. It's a lie. It's a lie. He wants to make your life abundant. But he wants to do it his way. And then includes the Sabbath. We close again. It's just so good. I can't stop reading it over and over. So we're ending with this, Isaiah 58. Look at it one last time, I promise. It's the last time i read it to you. Look at it. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath from doing your own pleasures on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it not going your own ways or seeking your own pleasures or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth and I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. For indeed, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Let us listen and obey, even with the Lord's day. Let's pray. Well, Lord, it's in your hands now. Lord, um, the seed has been thrown and uh, Lord, I can't control what happens now, but you can. Lord, you can protect them from the birds that will come and steal the seeds sown, your word in their hearts. Protect them from being rocky soil or weeds that will grow up, but it's in your court, Lord. They're your people, but I love them. I want good for them. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help them to take these words and not throw them out, but rather apply them for their own good, the blessing of themselves and their children for generations to come. Lord, please transform me and all of us according to your word. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.